and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. I want to say a quick thank you to those of you who have left ratings and reviews over the last few weeks. It lets me know that you appreciate the content, and even more important than that, ratings and reviews help raise our profile in the search engines, and that helps others find the podcast. So if this podcast has been an encouragement or a blessing to you, please take the time to do that if you have not already done so. Today, I'm pleased to introduce you to my friend, Melissa Crone, who I first met when she came to one of our While We're Waiting weekends here at the Refuge a couple years ago. In the first half of this two-part episode, Melissa shares the story of her beautiful daughter, Kristen, who was gentle and kind with an inborn gift for music and an affinity for sharks and someone who lived her life fearlessly. In the fall of 2019, laced heroin took Kristen to heaven. I hope you'll listen in as we discuss specific issues faced by parents who lose children to drug-related causes, dealing with forgiveness, and the evolving of grief over time. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jill. Thanks for having me today. I am honored to be here. Well, we are honored to have you here. I have been looking forward to having this visit with you and um, having the opportunity to hear Kristen's story again and just even kind of get to know you a little bit better through our interview today. So let's get started just by giving you the opportunity to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what life is like for you there. Well, my husband, Donnie, and I have been married for 32 years. We live in Dyersburg, Tennessee. We are blessed to be the parents of three beautiful daughters, Sarah, Amanda, and Kristen. And I loved being a girl mom because my girls, as I like to say, were thick as thieves. And they didn't spend the night away from home a lot because they enjoyed being together when they were young. And it was wonderful. Now, Sarah and Amanda are grown now and they have families of their own and they live close We have seven grandchildren, five girls, and two boys. That's a lot of fun. Oh, sure. My husband works for Marvin Windows and Doors in Ripley, Tennessee. I work three days a week at a local factory that makes rubber automotive products. And I know that does not sound glamorous or exciting in any way, (laughs) but I work with a wonderful group of people and we just really enjoy each other. And I even say that when we have a not so good day at work, we still have a good day because we get through it together. And I know that's a rare thing these days. Yes, yes. To have a wonderful work family like that is really special. Yes, it is. And my husband recently accepted an interim pastor's position at a local Baptist church. And they are just a wonderful, sweet group of people. We're enjoying that. And I guess you could say life is pretty busy for us here in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Yeah. And my hobbies would be just spending time with my family and the people I love. And I enjoy writing Christian devotions when I have some spare time. All right. All right. Talk about what it's like to be a grandma to some boys. With you raising three girls, what is it like having grand boys? Well, you could say I'm pretty clueless. I just kind of learn as I go along. Right. Um, The oldest grandson, Drace, he is 12 years old, and I enjoy spending time with him because he likes to do the things I like to do. He loves to cook. 
so usually if he comes over, we will let him pick a recipe and we'll shop and we'll make the meal. And he does most of it. And he's very good at that. Yeah. Um, the youngest is Jake. And now he's eight years old. And he is just a sweet, funny little boy. Just a lot of fun to be around. Yeah. Yeah. As a girl mom myself, I, I look forward to maybe one of these days having some grandsons uh, just to have that experience <laughs> to to be with boys. I think that would be fun. It is and different. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm sure very different. Very different. I did grow up with brothers, so I have that. But we'll see. One of these days, maybe. <laughs> So Kristen was your youngest daughter. I'd love for you to talk a few minutes and just tell us about her. Help us to get to know her a little bit. Kristen was just a sweet surprise from the very beginning. And she had a very gentle and kind spirit about her. She was very funny. She was always surrounded by friends as a child and as an adult. She was not judgmental in any way. And I think people were drawn to her because she made everyone feel comfortable. That's why they love to be around her. And from the time she was little, she gave the best hugs. When she was a little girl, she would just wrap her arms around my neck and hold on for dear life. And then even as an adult, she would come through the door and grab me and just give me this big old bear hug that mm. I could just feel to my soul. I, yeah. Oh, I loved it. She was fearless. We called her our fearless Chris. Anything that she wanted to do, she would just go for it with all of her heart. And she succeeded in most things because of that. Now, having that fearless spirit sometimes did not work in her favor, <laughs> but sure. most of the time it did. I remember when she was in high school, her boyfriend gave her a pink and white electric guitar for her birthday. Now, this girl had never shown interest in playing the guitar, but she learned and she would find these tutorials on YouTube for songs that she wanted to learn sure. and she would watch them and practice until she played them perfectly. Wow. And that's how she was with most things. When she was in high school, she went to work part-time for the Dairy Queen. And to this day, if we see her managers or co-workers, they will talk about what a hard worker she was. This child had an impeccable work ethic from the very beginning. And she was so much fun for them to be around. And um, just a fun memory I have is she was very artistic as well. And they put her in the back making the cakes, those yummy ice cream cakes that yeah. you get from Dairy Queen. Oh, yeah. She would come home and she would be covered in icing. And apparently blue was her favorite color because there was always <laughs> this bright blue. It would be on her hat, it would be on her shirt, it would be on her wow. pants, and it would be on her shoes. <laughs> I don't know how she got any on the cake, but she did. Wow. wow. And she, Kristen had this strange fascination with sharks. She loved anything to do with sharks. And her dream was to be a marine biologist and to live on the coast. After she graduated high school, she went to UT Martin for one semester, and she just decided that was not for her, and she and a friend decided they were going to move to Nashville, Tennessee, 
And she just was drawn to the big cities, completely yeah. opposite of her mother. I, I think the smaller, the better. Sure. But she liked the bright lights in the big city life. Yeah. So her dad and I, I have to say, were not comfortable with it. But we had family there. So that was a little bright spot, knowing they would be close. Well, she moved to Nashville. One day she was working in a restaurant. And the manager of National Dance Clubs of Murfreesboro approached her and asked her if she would like to come and teach ballroom dance. Well, Kristen, who had never shown interest in that before, said, yes, I'll give it a whirl. Wow. She did. And before you know it, she had learned the steps to several ballroom dance songs and was instructing others. It was just amazing in Jill. You would not believe these high heel shoes these girls dance in. I don't think I could walk in them, no. much less dance with somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. she did it. Huh. And um, December of 2017, we had the privilege of watching the dance club's winter performance. Kristen danced to a song called Rise Up by Andrew Day. And I would just never forget how amazed I was at the beauty and the poise that she had just moving across that dance floor. She moved as though she felt every word of that Mm. music. And that is just one of my favorite memories. I would never forget that. Yeah. She must have just had an innate sense of music in her, you know, that musical talent just She must have just been born with that. Yes, and that was unique to her because her, me nor her father are musically inclined. Right, yeah. (laughs) That definitely was a gift from God, I believe. Oh, sure, absolutely. Unfortunately, after about a year, things fell apart there, and she was struggling financially. Nashville is expensive. It's much more expensive to live there than it is here. Sure. And she needed another job. So she went to work for FedEx. She worked there for one year and she was offered a management position. And later, her manager told us that that is unheard of there. He said it was her hard work and just sheer determination that put her there. He said every task that they gave her, she would just do it. Just do wow. it with all of her heart, and she never complained. And that is just who Kristen was. Yeah. Yeah. What an amazing work ethic for somebody her age. And, you know, I wonder how much that fearlessness played into that. You know, I think a lot of times, me, myself, I, I have fears, and I just think, oh, I can't try that because I probably can't do that. I bet her fearlessness is what enabled her to do so many things. Oh, Absolutely. And I have this, another favorite memory I'll share quickly. Sure. When she and her sister were younger, my husband and I took them to Kentucky Lake and we were in the boat one day. Now, I was afraid of my own shadow at that time. And though my husband would laugh at me, if we were in the boat, I had my life jacket on and I was gripping the seat because I didn't want to fall (laughs) overboard. I could not swim. Uh Uh-huh. Kristen, afraid of nothing. The boat starts moving, and I look up, and she has just thrown herself over the front of that boat, her long hair blowing in the wind. It was really, I guess, a Titanic moment, sure. if you would. 
And then my thought was probably, girl, sit down and put on your life jacket. (laughs) But now when I look back on that Mm. memory, I think, wow, that's how I want to be Mm. because we let fear keep us from the things God has for us. He has good things for us to do. But so many times we are sitting there ripping our seat, afraid to move, not trusting Him. Yeah, I know that's true in my own life. So I love that visual you just gave me of Kristen on the boat with her hair flying back and just being fearless. And like you said, that's the way we should all live our lives. So in the late summer of 2019, Kristen called you one day. Talk about that conversation and the events that followed. That was Tuesday, August the 26th, around 6 Mm a.m., It was very unusual for her to call me during the day and especially that early in the morning. The hours that she worked, she would generally be asleep that time of day. But I decided I was just going to sit down and soak it in and listen to every word. Yes. So I sat down on the front porch in my walking chair and she wanted to share with me about a situation that she had experienced a week prior She shared an apartment in Nashville with some friends, and she had to make one of the girls move out of the apartment because she had caught her doing drugs, and she specifically mentioned heroin, and that was had just really bothered her. Sure. And many times, Jill, her dad and I would pray that God would bring her home because we knew she struggled. We knew it was hard for her there. And... I will never forget the words she said to me before we hung up. Like many conversations, I asked her to come home and make a new start. And she said, Mom, you just don't know how that's in the back of my mind. And in that moment, I had a little bit of yes. She's thinking about it. She's coming home. Well, six days later, September 2nd, Labor Day, We had just finished a late breakfast with two of our sweet little granddaughters who had spent the night with us when we received the news that Kristen had been found deceased in an apartment in Nashville. In the days that followed, we learned that she had taken some raised heroin, and that is what had caused her death. And it was very painful. Our world just stopped for a little while and you know we thought God we prayed so hard for you to bring her home but we meant her earthly home yes Yes. not her eternal home right but we trust him Mm -hmm. because he is all knowing he knows what is best and we know she's at home and she is at peace yes yes absolutely and you know she's safe Yes, no more struggles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at that time you got that call, I guess you just had to drop everything and go to Nashville at that point, or what happened after that? No, we did not. We did okay. not go. My brother works at a funeral home in Nashville, and he called me just to make sure I was okay, and which he knew I was not. But I think he just wanted to hear my voice. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I said, baby, just bring my baby home. Yes. 
So it was, it was just a, a lot of red tape process. Sure. Um, and he ended up bringing her home that following Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We met at the funeral home, and he gave us just the most wonderful gift in that he, he, when he got her ready and he got her dressed, he gave Donnie and the girls and I all the time we needed with her. Mm, yeah, that is and a special gift. Amanda, oh yes, my Amanda did her makeup and fixed her hair. Sarah and I painted her nails. And wow. it was very difficult at first for a little while. But the more that we talked, we reminisced and, and we began to laugh and, and just think about all the wonderful times we had with her. And I think that was very good for us to yeah. have that time. It was very healing. And then to kind of get that, I hate to say it this way, but out of the way mm-hmm. before we had the service and the funeral where you have so many people. Right. Yeah, that was some special private family time you got with her. And um, what a blessing. What a gift that was. That was a gift. And, and my brother is just a special man. Yes. And he gives his whole heart to every family that he ministers to in that way. And I know that taking care of Kristen was very difficult yes. for him because he loved her too. Sure. And he, he is very special to me. Yes. Yes. Wow. Well, I'm, I am glad that you had that time with her, especially since you weren't there with her when she went to heaven. That gave you that kind of opportunity uh, to spend that special time with her. So she, it was laced heroin, you said. Were you able, ever able to determine the source of where that laced heroin came from? Yes, we did. It took us, it took a while to find out, but the person's apartment that she died in, we did not know this young lady, never heard of her before, which was very puzzling. And as it ends up, she was a drug dealer. Mm. She is the one who gave it to Kristen a few, well, maybe a couple of months after Kristen passed away. They found drugs in this person's apartment. She was arrested, but she was set free in exchange for the name of the drug dealer that gave them to her. Sure. So we do not know where she is. We don't Mm. know who this other person is or if they're in prison or not. Right. Right. That's got to be a very frustrating feeling, just knowing that they're out there potentially, you know, doing this to other people. Right. That would be, if there was any consolation in it in it at all, it would be knowing that the person who ultimately sold that, that killed Kristen, mm-hmm. would be behind bars, not hurting anyone else. Right, right. But we just don't know. We mm-hmm. have so many unanswered questions, and we really struggled with that, Jill. Yeah. There were many Many, many evenings we would sit and go through her phone records because she was still on our cell phone plan. Yeah. We could see the numbers she called, the numbers sure. that called her, and my husband was calling these people, trying to find out what happened. And naturally, we got nowhere with that. Mm-hmm. We just had to come to a point where we said, God, you know the answers. You love Kristen. 
and we trust you. Right. Yeah, you would have to come to that place. And I'm sure that's a that's a very difficult thing to come to the place where you just surrender those questions. I'm glad you've been able to do that. It is. And you know, we're human. Yeah. We're human. And there's going to be times when those thoughts come in and those feelings come up, but we have to consciously make that decision to say, God, take it, take it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in addition to not knowing the answers to a lot of your questions, what other issues do you feel like a parent who loses a child in a drug-related incident maybe deals with that might complicate the grief journey a little bit? I think that you worry about what people think and about what people say. Yeah. And we did not share any details with very many people because unfortunately people will take a little bit of information and run with it and then it does not resemble the truth whatsoever and if we did not have the answers they could not have the answers either exactly and we did not want to do anything to dishonor our precious daughter right yeah i can see how yeah just the gossip and then the wondering what people think you know, those would, for me, be the biggest issues as well, um, related to a right. loss. And my husband being in ministry, yeah. I think, well, we both were in ministry. And I think that that also played into it because you do. You you know it doesn't matter what people think because God is all-knowing. He is exactly. the only one that knows the beginning from the end and everything in between. But right. we're human and we still have those thoughts. Sure. Sure. So has forgiveness been an issue that you've had to deal with on your journey, particularly when you think about, you know, the the drug dealers and uh, the people that may have been the suppliers of the the drug? Absolutely. Yeah. If I had stayed stuck in that unforgiveness, I would have been in, in a very dark, in a very bitter place. And I did not want to be there because I want God to receive glory through this and he would not receive the glory if I was an angry and bitter person and you know the Bible tells us forgive and you shall be forgiven and I don't say this because I think it's what anybody wants to hear I say this because I believe it to my core God willingly gave his son to die for my sins, which are many. So who am I to refuse forgiveness to somebody else? Mm -hmm. And you know, Jill, that forgiveness, I think it's more for us than it is the other person because it will set you free. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, too, it's important to think about the fact that forgiving someone doesn't necessarily release them from the consequences of their actions. Uh, Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. Mm -hmm. And even though we don't know (laughs) what is happening in that department, we trust God. He will take care of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe you can trust God with that. So it's been about two and a half years now um, since Kristen went to heaven. How has the experience of, you know, the third year been in comparison with the first 
and the second. I know a lot of people have different ideas about whether the first year is the worst or the second year is the worst and what the third year is like. Can you talk about that a little bit, how it's been for you? Because we know it's different for everyone. Right, it is. Well, for us, the third year, definitely, there has been a lot of changes. Mm -hmm. After Kristen passed away, I was fortunate to be able to quit my job. Then COVID hit, so my husband came home for several months. We stepped away from the ministry for a while, and I believe that God used that time just as a special gift of healing to us. That's where that healing process began. And He has just strengthened us a little by little as we go along. And this third year, I went back to work part-time, just three days a week, which is enough. Trying not to overload myself again. Yeah. My husband is preaching again. And I would say also that that grief is not as hard as it was in the first year and then even into the second year. I still think about Kristen every day. I miss her. I love her dearly. Yes. But it's just that heavy weight that's not continually sit on me anymore. When that grief hits, I deal with it. I get it out. God gives me peace. And I Mm -hmm. go on. So, yes, Mm -hmm. I think there have definitely been some positive changes in this third year. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that's encouraging for people to hear. Because when you're in that first and second year, you just think, is it ever going to get better? Is it ever going to get lighter on my shoulders and so I know it's encouraging uh, for listeners to hear that for you it has begun to lift a little bit in that third year so thank you for sharing that this concludes the first half of my conversation with Melissa Crone be sure to come back next week as we extend our discussion to include a wide range of issues faced by bereaved parents along with some very practical advice for dealing with those things Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to sharing the rest of our chat with you next Wednesday.